Hi there, this is How to Choose, the show that helps you make better decisions and improve your judgment. Thanks for joining us. I'm Ken. And I'm Tessa. In this season of How to Choose, we're covering some of the common obstacles that impede good decision making and how to overcome them. So last episode, we looked at urgent decision making and how we can triage the things that are apparently urgent that land in our lap. And the key message was not all urgent things are important. In today's episode, we'll be looking at non-urgent decisions and figuring out what's important and how to make time for it in our busy lives. Excellent. Let's crack on. So, Ken, you know my partner? Yes. He is not an athlete, but he is athletic. He is indeed. Uh, He's always been super fit and active his whole life, uh, but unfortunately, he's also incredibly injury prone. Oh, dear. Yeah, to his great frustration. He has broken two toes, torn his hamstring multiple times, broken a wrist, jarred fingers, separated the AC joint in his shoulder, and had endless minor muscular strains. Good Lord. That's a lot of injury. It is. It's very <laughs> unfortunate for him. He, he's not particularly clumsy. It's not due, due to accident. Um, but he does focus on short-term goals to the detriment of his long-term physical health. So you'd say then he's a bit gung-ho. Exactly. He wants to be surfing, running, playing footy at his best right now. He doesn't ease into things. In Stephen Covey's Urgent Important Matrix, which we discussed last week, my diagnosis for him is he doesn't spend enough time in the non-urgent but important quadrant, also known as the magic quadrant. Magic. (laughs) I have a soft spot for magic. Um, But for those people who need the adrenaline surge of the urgent, it does sound a little bit like the boring quadrant. <laughs> What's so special about this magic quadrant? Uh, I mean, look, you're right. It's not always the sexy stuff that lives in this quadrant. This is the quadrant that we so often ignore because we are too busy deleting spam emails, looking at social media junk, or doing the easy tasks. Think of this as your big picture quadrant. What helps you move towards your big goals and projects? At work, this could be planning, relationship and team building, or risk assessment. In your personal life, it might be going to the dentist, booking a plumber before that tiny leak causes major damage, or it could even be stretching and strengthening to avoid injuries, which is what my partner does not do enough of. Yeah, gotcha. So look, for me, fitness is one of those important non-urgent areas, and it can easily slip. Um, And in fact, it often gets trumped by urgent things that might be less important. Um, knowing that we were going to be recording this episode, uh, I went out and went for a run. Um, And so I can, hand over heart, say my fitness goals are going a bit better at the moment. But it is really easy to skip training sessions, especially if the weather is bad. Oh, for sure. I mean, we've had a beautiful sunshiny weekend this weekend. but We we have. Not always the case. No. Now, I wonder as well, Ken, is the peer pressure of our listeners holding you to to account out there, knowing that, you, you know... You have to hand on your heart and say that, yes, I have run recently. Well, I hadn't even thought of that. But now, <laughs> now, that you, now that you mention it, yes, I am feeling additional pressure. And that might help. I'll have to see. You'll have to ask me about it in a future uh, episode. Yeah, maybe we'll offer a service. People can, can write into us and ask us to publicly hold them to account. Yeah, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. Bob is going to run 10 kilometers this weekend. Yeah, mm. that's right. 
Um, and interestingly, if we ignore the magic quadrant, then the non-urgent things can actually become urgent. So it, they can change quadrant, can't they? Indeed, they can, Tess. And I was reflecting on the proverb that says a stitch in time saves nine. Um, and I think there's a lot of proverbs that relate to wise decision making. But it's a good example that something that might not be a big issue now uh, can become an urgent problem if we don't address it. This could also be thought of as the delayed gratification quadrant. Because the things you do here don't give you the dopamine hit that responding to an email or checking how many likes you got on your latest post. That's an interesting point there, yeah. So there's actually a chemical element to that as well, isn't there? That we uh, we get rewarded by dopamine uh, when we do those things that we enjoy doing. But the you're right, the non urgent, important things might, might not give us that immediate reward, that chemical reward. Um, so I guess things like saving or trying to grow your superannuation could fall in this magic quadrant as well. Oh, for sure. I mean, that's probably one of the best examples of non-urgent but important, especially if you're in your 20s. Uh, when you are trying to decide whether to put an extra 50 bucks into your superannuation or are you going to spend that on clothes, a night out or even a holiday? It can be really hard in the moment to say no to the short-term fun. Yeah, and for me personally, finances were something that I almost didn't think about until I was 35. And the reason was that retirement just seemed so far away. Um, so there was no need to start planning for something in such a distant future. I think if I'd been more deliberate, I'd probably be a millionaire by now, Tessa. <laughs> I mean, maybe not quite a millionaire, but you would have a good chunk of change, Ken. Mm. Um, now, just some, you know, back of the envelope basic maths. Yep. Let's just say you had $1,000 in your savings account for 30 years at the lofty in interest rate of 5%, which mm. seems unattainable, but maybe we'll get there again. Mm. Um, How much would we have? 30 years? 30 years, you'd get $4,321. Oh, that's not breathtaking. No, not, not millionaire status. No. Um, but, you know given you're not doing anything with it. It's not yeah, terrible. Yeah. But just say you chipped in an extra $100 a week that whole time. In 30 years, you would end up with over $320,000. Wow. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. That is pretty good, um, actually, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so to get to the millionaire status, you'd have to be doing $300 a week. Right. Yeah. Okay. So those are some compelling figures. Um, now, what do I do with these feelings of deep regret, <laughs> Tessa? <laughs> Well, firstly, for you, Ken, and anyone else out there who hasn't been contributing to their super since they were, you know, 19, don't feel bad um, because values are also a big part of this quadrant. Yeah. Money is not the only driver. What about relationships, travel, or education? These are all things we can invest in when we spend time on the important but non-urgent. Yeah. And listen, to be honest, the reason that I didn't invest money in my 20s was because I was pursuing non-paying volunteer work. And that was a higher priority at that time in my life. And I've got no regrets for that either. You know, I think as you pointed out, that was pursuing something that I valued more highly. Yeah. And you were probably a richer, more interesting person for those experiences. I'd like to think so, Tess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so how do we decide then what non-urgent but important things we should spend our time on? So a big part of this is self-reflection time. I wouldn't start committing to things in this quadrant until you have really thought about your why. And defining our why requires us to consider our goals, our hopes and fears, and our values. Yeah, and values we've talked about a lot, I know, at, at different times. Um, and there's something that I've come to believe about values, that if you're not sure what you value, then the watch and wallet test can be quite revealing. So look at your watch. What are you spending your time on? 
look at your wallet. What are you spending your money on? And that often gives you a pretty good idea of what you value. And I think a key point here is that for individuals and also for companies, there's often a delta or difference between our stated values and our actual values. So if, for example, I say, look, I really value um, helping people in the community. Um, Well, you know, how much time do you spend doing that? How much money do you put into that? If it's something that you would like to be doing, then it's really something that you aspire to, but really probably isn't a core value at the moment. Mm, I think that's a really good point, Ken. And so so interesting that stated versus actual values. I know that confounds mm. researchers because if you just do a questionnaire, people will be saying, oh, of course, yes, I exercise. I run three times a week and mm. I drink maybe one glass of wine a month. Yeah. Um, but the reality is maybe once a month run and wine four times a week. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. The one that confronted me uh, was when I first saw the weekly readout on my phone that was telling me how much time I spent on average each day. And I was really surprised because it was a lot more than I thought. If someone had asked me, I would have said, yeah, I don't spend that much time on my phone. Um, So it's interesting, isn't it? We're often not very self-aware. You know what? I see those numbers, but I I just think it's all from listening to podcasts. So I don't feel guilty about it at all. No, that's right. And please don't take this the wrong way. If you're listening to our podcast, those numbers (laughs) don't count towards the time on your phone. Uh, so there is a lot to unpack here on the value side, Ken, and probably um, something we can go into a, a bit more information in our show notes for those who want to dive in a little bit deeper. Excellent. So I guess the next question then, Tess, is how do you make yourself do those important things that you value and that sit in this magic quadrant? What I find really useful is setting aside chunks of time in my calendar which is what Stephen Covey calls your big rocks. So you might put an hour on a Wednesday morning to read the latest journal article in your industry, as perhaps staying professionally up to date is an important but non-urgent goal for you. Uh, For myself, a big rock that I always wanted to do was a marathon. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I think you probably remember me talking about it on and off over the years. Yeah, So it's something I just, I talked about, but I never got around to doing it. Mm -hmm. So finally in 2019, I signed up for the Honolulu Marathon Mm -hmm. and I told people I cared about it, that I was going to do it. Um, And both of these are actually commitment devices, financial and reputational. Okay. Then I put aside time in my calendar three times a week, including a block of three hours every Sunday for my long run. Three hours. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, a three-hour drive is a long drive, <laughs> Tess. Three hours of running. is That's a, a long, long run. There's a lot of podcasts you can listen to in I three can, hours. I can only imagine. Yep. How to choose on repeat how multiple much, times. How much you could learn. <laughs> yeah. um, but running 20 or 35 Ks takes for bloody ever. So hmm. you really do have to put that time aside because if you don't plan for it, by the time you get to six o'clock on a Sunday, you're not going to feel like going out and running for that long. Yeah, you're not going to stumble across three hours no, in your exactly. schedule. You have, to, you have to put that big rock in and you have to quarantine it from all those little bits and pieces that take away your time. I like that idea of quarantining, yeah. Mm. Very familiar to us yeah, at the moment. That's right. <laughs> um, so I got to the day of the marathon and sure, plenty of urgent and unimportant things had interrupted my training every now and then, but that Sunday run had always happened. I mean, sometimes it happened Monday night, but it yep. always happened that week. Yes. Um, and then I did it. I finally ran a marathon. Oh, excellent. Yeah. That's great. What are your big rocks that you finally conquered, Ken? Well, look, a recent one is writing a book. So Good Better Write, which you'll know because it's the name of our website, uh, is also the title of a book that I have been working on, uh, on judgments and decision making. 
And it was a project that I started a few years ago when I was living in Canada. And to be honest, life got busy uh, and I had to shelve my book, pardon the terrible dad joke. But uh, in August last year, I decided to take some long service leave. And my plan was to work on a few things that fall in this magic quadrant, actually, important, non-urgent things. So they were fitness, uh, working with refugees, and writing. And then the day before my long service leave began, Canberra went into COVID lockdown. So what did that mean? It meant that gyms closed. It meant that work with refugees stopped. And it meant that I was stuck not only in my house, but in my bedroom so that I didn't disturb the rest of my family who were all studying or working. And so I wrote my book. And to be honest, I was really surprised at what I could achieve in those three and a half months. And it was largely because I did what you had described. I devoted lots of time to my goal. Yeah, I mean, imagine if you hadn't have had lockdown. How much of your book would you have written? Well, I think very little, to be really honest, Mm. because I think there would have been a lot of other things that would have crowded it out. Mm. Um, So, And in fact, look, the podcast that we're doing now would not have happened if it hadn't been for that time of lockdown. So thank you, COVID. Yes, thank you. A big silver lining for us. Yeah. So where where is the book at now? Well, look, I'm glad you asked. Um, and in fact, asking again, it's a reputational uh, incentive for me to get that book finished. But I'm hoping to have some exciting news in coming months. Um, draft is complete. Um, I might need to do a little bit more work on that, but watch this space. Yeah, wonderful. And I'm sure we'll draw on it for future episodes too. Absolutely. Uh, well, this episode has been not just about making people feel bad if you haven't run a marathon or written a book yet. No, no. Not at all. Um, <laughs> it's been all about prioritizing the magic quadrant uh, and really thinking about your values. Um, so I just want if you you to think about what are you going to do this week to progress something in this quadrant. Um, what's your key takeaway, Ken? Look, I I think for me, that idea of quarantining time is a really powerful one. Um, The idea that unless we schedule something in, uh, it's very hard to find the time for those things because the whole challenge of the urgent is that it steals time from us. Um, So I think that idea and whether it's at work using your calendar function in Outlook or whatever program you're using um, or whether it's just blocking off time on the weekends. And I also like that reputational element Mm. too. So finding ways to uh, let people know uh, and help them to hold you accountable I think is a great takeaway. Well, thank you for joining us in today's episode. We've learned all about making time for the important but non-urgent. Be sure to tune in next episode where we'll be learning about opportunity cost and the sunk cost fallacy and its relevance to decision-making. And listen, if you've enjoyed this episode, please make sure to subscribe to How to Choose and visit us at goodbetterright.com.au and tell your friends about us. We'd love to meet them too.